0: Thank you. Welcome to the brand new Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of all things pop culture, mostly film and television. My name is Jeff Sang. And I'm
1: Derek Wong. On this week's episode, we're going to be discussing some of the shows and movies we've been watching lately. To begin our episode, I wanted to introduce our new host. So we're actually going to have a third host join us each week. And you might already know him because uh, he's already joined us for two episodes of the Who Watches the Watchman podcast, our old podcast. And that is uh, Amir Ture. Hey,
2: everybody. Good to be back.
1: Let's begin this week's episode with a little bit of an announcement for the HBO series Watchmen. So it was reported this week by USA Today that HBO's programming chief, Casey Blois, and both Damon Lindelof have both made statements that there really isn't going to be a second season of Watchmen. Um, we've already mentioned this on our previous episodes where Lindelof has stated that he really thought the first season of Watchmen was really just a one and done, that he felt that he was telling a story that had a definite beginning, middle, and end, and he really didn't see his need to come back to the show. And basically, uh, Casey Blois with uh, HBO has said that unless Lindelof is coming back, there is not going to be a second season, so they don't really want to do it with a, a different showrunner. So at this point, it looks like there's not going to be a second season of Watchmen, which is... Super sad for me, but at the same time, I mean, I really love the first season and I guess it's nice to have something that's, in my mind, amazing and almost near perfect and kind of maybe untarnished in that way. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, my only negative comment on that is that the reason they're not doing a second season is sort of dumb in that they're not doing a second season because they don't want to do it without the original creator Lindelof being on board but they did the whole show without the original creator of the comic Alan Moore being on board that's (laughs) true it's like like a very very incredible. it's true it's a little hypocritical right it's insanely so right so
1: I guess my only response to that would be that I I feel like David Lindelof himself has started to create a following so I I, I understand why like it's either Lindelof or Buss in a sense right like the fear that maybe people won't come back. They know that the showrunner is not coming back or the showrunner that they loved and created the first season of Watchmen isn't coming back.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the first season hit hard. It got a great critical reception. I think people really liked it. I think adapting Watchmen is a difficult task, but I think, yeah, doing without Lindelof will put you like, not even just back to square one, but even worse than that, because now you've already got an example of someone doing it successfully. And now you're going back to a complete unknown, right? Faced with the enormous task of trying to adapt to Watchmen.
0: It is funny that <laughs> they did the whole show without Alan Moore's blessing. Yeah, I know. I know what both of you are saying. Like, as much as I love talking about Watchmen and recording episodes just about the show, part of me is actually pretty happy that Damon Lindelof and also HBO, for that matter, have the balls to call it after one season. Right? Mm-hmm. It was a very strong season of TV. And not everyone has the gall to set an end date and go out on top. And you know what? Kudos to them for for doing that. And I think it's pretty admirable. But with, uh, with that being said, this is the new podcast, the Strange Harbors podcast, extension of the website Strange Harbors. So this new format will mostly cover film and television. And we also want to produce a flexible program for our audience. So we'll be covering new releases as well as older movies and TV shows we also want to draw from a pretty diverse well covering the big movies and blockbusters that everyone wants to talk about and also some maybe hidden gems that not everyone has seen. So we hope all of you will join us on this new journey and we're really
1: excited to embark upon it with all of our listeners. And I do want to say that I appreciate everyone that's kind of come back each week and even those that listen to our announcement and those that are listening to this episode, we totally understand if you know a lot of you may have come in just to hear Watchmen and if that's what you wanted and, and you're moving on I, I still appreciate all those that have come and
0: yeah, for sure. uh,
1: emailed us and have just you know wanted to listen to what we said about these things and hopefully you still want to keep listening you know we'll like you said we'll, we'll try to tackle different shows different movies different properties that leads us into our main segment this week we're going to talk a little bit about what we've all been watching lately and it gives you a little bit more about, I guess, our taste in, in the types of shows and movies we all like to watch beyond, I guess, just Watchmen, right? Yeah, a little icebreaker, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good way to, to start our new podcast. Yeah. So uh, I guess I'll begin. Things I've been watching lately. I watched the Crisis of Infinite Earths crossover event. It's deemed the Arrowverse, right? This was the, the big kind of five episode crossover between Flash, Arrow, legends of tomorrow supergirl batwoman and black lightning just too many shows i think yeah (laughs) Uh, which i don't watch all of those shows but i do tune in every year for this crossover because i'm always really excited to see you know this big kind of spectacle of a show that they put on do either of you watch any of the arrowverse shows i used to Uh, what about what about you amir
2: yeah, me too. I also used to watch them, uh I, I watched The Flash, I watched Arrow, but it's now been a couple of years since I've seen either. I never okay. really saw Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, or Batwoman, really.
1: I used to watch Supergirl and I've I've kind of fell off of that. I really only watch The Flash, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. All of those I which I really like. You know, Arrows in its final season now, so that's coming to an end in a couple episodes. But I don't know. Do you guys hear any of the news coming out of the crossover? I fell
0: off the CW DC comic show like a long time ago. I think everything just got so tired, I want
1: to say. No, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I agree. <laughs> my big complaint with Arrow is like the writers and producers just couldn't stop pitting like the superhero teams against each other. Having all their characters have these melodramatic secrets that they have to keep from everyone else. It was just way too much, I think. You know, I think it really topped out in like the second season with
1: Rachel Bull. That was the third. Season? Was that? See, that was the third no, season. I See, I, I, I can't even. Good. Yeah, I can't <laughs> even keep the seasons straight. Uh, I
2: do. I, um, I do think you were actually inadvertently right there, though. I do think the second season was better though. Yeah, one. yeah, uh, yeah. Was that, the season with Slade, Slade season? is
1: the the best. It's the best that, one. That, it really that actually
2: whipped ass. That was so good.
1: I could argue that. I know you guys haven't watched it, but I think it's the sixth season with adrian chase is the the villain is actually a very good season i think i watched
0: that one on and off yeah
1: yeah it's far few between when when it comes to uh it being like great television it's just i am suckered into it and i love it and i'll probably invest in right (laughs) i'm invested basically yeah i'm (laughs) invested enough where i watched those three shows that i mentioned but trying not to invest in the other ones because i just you know i tried and i don't like them
2: (laughs) so i guess for me how did you get into the CWDC shows was it as a comics fan or as a CW fan or where did it come from?
1: less CW fan, just because I didn't watch much on CW, but it was more, I have always really liked the, the character of green arrow. So like I wanted to, to see what they could do with it. And I, I liked the first two seasons enough that I think I stayed invested. And then they of course brought on the flash, which I love. So I was like invested in that. And then to kind of have this almost superhero team, Show that we get every week with the Legends tomorrow. I was invested in that. So, like, I like it enough. I know that they're announcing, like, there's going to be a new Superman and Lois Lane show. I don't know if I'm really going to watch that. I oh, know wow, that it's going to be, lot. they're going to do like a, a Black Canary show that I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to watch gonna that. Be the
2: Black Canary is the question.
1: So, they did eventually uh, introduce Dinah Lance, I think. It's like the alternate Black version. Canadian. Yeah, it's just it's confusing. Uh, it's confusing. <laughs> I'm not going to try to explain it just because it's it's not going to make you want to watch it anymore. Uh- <laughs> yeah, we, we could talk about it all
0: day, but um, yeah, like I really like the first two seasons of The Flash, but like after like the fourth speedster villain, I just yeah. can go yeah. on and like.
2: Yeah, I
0: think with Supergirl, things got a little hokey. And the thing that bothered me about Supergirl is that it kept trying to draw these parallels with like real life politics, and the show didn't really have like the narrative economy to pull it off effectively. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I stopped watching after the season with the anti alien terrorists. I don't mind politics in my show at all, and I I think I lean clearly with
1: uh, clearly with Watchmen.
0: <laughs> yeah, clearly with Watchmen. <laughs> I think I lean pretty left, but it has to be a little more than just surface level allegory, yeah. right? To get me. Right. To stay, and I also want to say something about Batwoman too, because I know Amir, you're a big fan of the Greg Rucka comic book. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think think the
2: H. Williams the third art.
0: It's so good, like the writing and the art. Yeah, but like I watched the first episode of Batwoman, and I think it has this feminist message, which again I don't have any issues with, but it's so on the nose that it's kind of grating. Greg Rucka is a cis white guy, but I actually think he really knows how to write women, and his Batwoman is so great. It's the
1: Kate Kane one? Yeah, the Kate Kane, yeah. Okay.
0: So that's so that's what the show is based off of. Based off of. Um, so, like, the CW Batwoman, it delivers this message, and it has lines like, I'm not about to let a man take credit for a woman's work, or whatever, you know, if you watch the first episode of that. In the comic, it's show, not tell, right? The show completely omits what I think is, like, one of the best moments of the comic. Kate is fighting like all these guys and then Batman shows up and he's like, don't wear your hair like that. One pull, the whole fight's over, right? If someone pulls your hair and she doesn't even say anything, but she goes home and all she does is like she smiles and she takes it off and it's like a wig. It's kind of like this big empowering moment, but you don't have to spell it out. Batman's teaching her how to be a superhero, but she already knows all the things her dad taught her and just common sense. And so I thought that's the issue that I had with Batwoman. But we're we're getting off track
1: here.
2: Yeah, getting getting into the bat splaining discourse. I think that is a little <laughs> Yeah,
1: exactly. Weird. Fucking Bruce Wayne. Okay, so I, I will say that the, the coolest thing about the crossover this time around is that this is gonna be spoilers. I'm guessing you guys are not gonna watch it anyway. So I spoil. I watched <laughs> it. I watched oh, it yeah. actually I'll just change. just out of curiosity. I, okay. I'm um, always curious about this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought the coolest thing was the kind of showing like the multiverse and showing that all these DC properties are all connected like but they the didn't really do still, anything with it that's the problem don't, i had they don't because i mean I, I don't think you're gonna get a complete sign off on like allowing to use uh the movie version of, of the flash to to actually do anything other than be a cameo or that was fucking the, crazy yeah but it, it's just crazy that like you know these things are starting to mingle a little bit more and because you know for a long time they talked about how they were not gonna let you use any of the DCEU stuff and they're not going to let you use Batman but now like there was a version of Batman in the crossover. You know what I mean? So it's like Amir, did you hear about this? They had a uh, they had Zack Snyder's Barry Allen. I
0: did.
2: Yeah. I I heard they were bringing out a lot of the old the old favorites. Did they get any of the DCAU uh voice actors to do anything Yeah, they
0: got Kevin Conroy mm-hmm. playing That's what Bruce I thought. Of playing uh That's yeah. Awesome.
1: uh Kingdom Come Bruce really cool. Wayne, right?
0: Yeah, Tom Bruce yeah. Wayne. You also had
1: Tom Welling from Smallville. Uh, I wish his role was a little That's bit bigger. So cool. That was the one that was just like, yeah. Oh, I wish there was more to <laughs> that one. But no, yeah. it was really cool to see like all these, like past and present, and even just seeing that like they've connected, you know, the the stuff from what's the DC streaming service? I don't even remember what's called now. <laughs> DC Universe, they had like DC, the Titans Yeah, on they air. had the Titans on there. They had, um, you know, they mentioned Swamp Thing, even though that's Yeah, okay. yeah, so, yeah, So it's kind of cool to see all those, like, they're actually all connected. They're all part of this kind of multiverse, right? I, I thought that it was, was fan, a, but a fan service. Marvel can't even sometimes connect its TV and its universe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's, let's give DC a little credit here, I
2: guess. Are you a DC fan as a comics fan? Were you like a DC animated universe guy? Like, how did you get into DC?
1: Getting into comic properties came as a child more through the animated stuff, like watching animated Batman and Superman, watching the old 90s Spider-Man and X-Men. So a lot of my knowledge and my kind of love for those properties come from that.
2: Yeah, I think we're very similar on that one. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think I think I really got into this stuff through like the uh, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman. Oh, yeah, I love that.
1: that stuff. Young yeah. Justice, all those, all those. I still watch a lot of those
2: cartoons. <laughs> Dude, they're yeah, they're personal. great. They're so good. So I'll, yeah. I'll stand up for the DC animated universe anytime, man.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to the next thing. So TV-wise, I've also finally finished His Dark Materials. It kind of came out the same time as Watchmen, and I wanted to watch both, but I, I dedicated and really committed to Watchmen. Yeah, watch it was it on now, right after
0: so. Watchmen, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's it, yeah. Or it was like the next day or something. It was, like, it was just too hard. So finally, now that Watchmen's over, I, I binged it. I uh, watched it over a couple of days. It was okay i've never read the books so i don't know the source material that well and i don't remember the golden compass that well uh, when i watched that movie so some of the revelations in it were a little shocking to me like i i, I didn't know that they were going to happen so i thought that was pretty good uh overall i thought ruth wilson was great i thought daphne keene was great lin-manuel miranda was okay <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I thought the, the acting overall was really great. The story was intriguing. I mean, if they do do a second season, I would probably would stick with it and probably keep watching it. You want to give a rundown about like what the show's about? It, it's, <laughs> I feel like yeah, it's a man, lot. This, the world's kind of run by this um, magisterium, right? Where it overlooks the world and everybody in the world has a um, a demon, what they call it. So it's like a spirit animal, but it's an actual animal. <laughs> that's by your side. So kind of like a, like a familiar or something yes, like that. Yes, yeah. 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 So, and uh, it's kind of a, this weird thing where like, if they die, you die, or if you die, they die kind of thing. And a lot of, I, I don't want to give anything away because just in case anybody wants to watch it, but a lot of it's centered around this mystery of what Ruth Wilson's character is trying to do with the demons. And then what James is kind of do with his exploration of what they call like dust, which is kind of like demon essence. I know this is making it sound very, very, very enticing, and everybody wants to watch it. <laughs> it has a lot of great kind of like science fiction um, elements and some fantasy elements. I really enjoyed the performances. Hopefully, we keep seeing more of Daphne King because she was great in Logan. and She's great in this, and yeah, she was. Um, Ruth Wilson's always really great too. Like the episodes of Luther right. I've seen with her, and I haven't seen the affair, but I mean, Ruth Wilson is is great. So. Like I said, if they have a second season, I'm, I'm more than happy to keep going on with this series.
2: I meant to watch this series because I read the book. And I, I did never get around to it. But I did hear that Ruth Wilson was a highlight. But Daphne Keene was quite good. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's something I'll pick up and just take a look at and see.
1: My understanding is that it, it follows the first book. So I don't know how many books are in this series, but I'm guessing if it's three books, it's probably going to only be three seasons long. So it's probably not that much of an investment if you want to get into it. I would say if you are looking to get into it, I would say get into it. It's not bad.
2: Yeah, yeah. nice, short, self-contained fantasy series, high production value, good actors. Yeah, yeah. Definitely something I can consider checking out.
1: Movie wise, I missed one of these movies. I know, Jeff, like you love this movie and it was it was, I think, on your top 10 somewhere. But I finally got to see asked this midsummer, which was a trip. <laughs> it was a trip, right? <laughs> yeah, I I think for this one, since it's been out for so long, I, I think we can go spoilers if we want to. But yeah, Amir, have you seen it?
2: No, I have, but I know enough about it. It's been so long, I, I know, I know all about
1: it. Oh, you know, yeah. okay. <laughs> but the stuff with the the ritual and the bear was just like, what the fuck is going on? here? Also,
0: I think this is the performance that. Florence Pugh should have been nominated for an oh, Academy Award for Little... instead of Little Women, which was also very good. Yeah, but I think this role really demanded more of her, and she delivered on every single yes. front. I think she yeah. was so good in this.
2: Is this the star-making role for her? No, I think um... uh,
1: fighting with my family is like, probably the first thing you've seen her in. Probably Midsummer is maybe considered her breakout role, but I think the one that everyone's yeah. going to see her in this year is Black Widow. Yeah, for this
2: year. That's right. Yeah, for 2020, come out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She plays
0: Yelena uh, Belova. The, Belova, the, right? Okay, that's what yeah, I thought. Yeah, okay. new, the new Black Widow. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Also, I've seen her in Lady Macbeth, which was 2017,
1: Oh, I think. okay,
0: That was like her probably first role where she got like a good amount of recognition for her. Yeah, this was a 2016 movie released 2017 it was good she was really good and also watched all this random shit that no one's ever heard of the little little drummer boy on amc like the spy thriller she was on that too oh she's
1: in that i didn't know yeah
0: this. with uh no, with alexander
1: Skarsgard. Yeah. yeah, yeah yeah that was really good too uh yeah no, I, I definitely think she's an actress to keep an eye on because yeah. everything she's i've seen her in at least i've really liked her in I saw someone on Twitter say, hey, uh, well,
0: Florence Pugh's taken all of Chloe Grace Moretz's roles. See you uh,
1: later. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe Grace Moretz. Which is kind of funny. Uh, Are they going to do a Hit Girl movie with Florence Pugh?
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, but this has been the year of Florence Pugh. She's been... Oh, yeah.
2: yeah, well, She's, been she's crushing it. She's also making good choices, right? I mean, oh he's yeah. making good choices. Like uh, I just read this article about uh, Robert Downey Jr. and the and the choices he's made since Iron Man One, which have, aside from Marvel, been uniformly awful, right? Yep. I mean, we're yeah, we're not gonna talk about too little. But, yeah, I mean <laughs> his choices little are little. all yeah. pretty much in that vein. And uh, I mean I I've like yeah, the Sherlock sad.
1: movies. I like the Sherlock Holmes movies.
2: They're fun. They're fun, Those but they're are not fun. like interesting, right? They're not yeah. like, you know, it's a, none of that is Midsummer. Yeah. Like, meanwhile, that's Florence true. Pugh no, that's is true. just that's back true. to back to back, like good for yeah, those no... interesting choices.
0: Yeah, there's no meat on any of those bones, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Not right. for the Robert Downey
2: Jr. <laughs> stuff at all. But Florence Pugh is choosing these kind of meaty, interesting roles. And, like, okay, yeah, she's in Black Widow, but, you know, a lot of her roles are more interesting, smaller things.
1: And to go back to, I mean, your statement earlier, Jeff, about her kind of nomination for Little Women from my understanding, I've never read Little Women. Never, I haven't seen the original. I think there's like one in the sixties and then the ninety four one. Ninety four, yeah. From my understanding and everything I've read and, and kind of like listened to other people talk about it, I mean, she takes a character that, that was almost universally hated, right? And now people like understand the character. Yeah, they did you something know, with her. Yeah, yeah. Actually, just, so it's like you have to give you know recognition. Yeah,
0: I'm not saying I'm not saying she doesn't deserve any recognition for Little Women. It's just wow,
1: Midsummer. Oh, my God. There's some really, really great shots in that movie. Like, that shot, yeah. really early in the movie, where she runs from the living room into the restroom. And yeah, like, and it becomes it like cuts. the cabin of the plane. Yeah. That's dude, crazy. What? I was like, dude, that was such a cool shot. I was yeah. like, all right, I know what movie I'm getting myself into. Like, It, it was a beautiful, <laughs> beautifully shot movie. And... and Ari Aster, he loves
0: having, like, these grief-stricken whales that are, like, they're, like up your soul, right? Like, you had yeah. Tony Collette in uh, Hereditary, and then here <laughs> when, like, you have, like, the murder-suicide with, like, her parents and her sister. Oh, my just... God. Oh, my God, it's crazy. You can see her sister's face in the trees in the end. Did you notice that? Oh, no. It's, like, the subliminal thing when they're carrying her in the May Queen Festival, when they're carrying her in the, I don't know what you call it, like, the the, the makeshift throne or whatever. Tower or whatever. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Oh, Harry dang. Astor is is just something else. All
2: right, I gotta go he's back. Super and watch young that. too. He's like thirty three. Yeah, he's super
0: young. He's super young.
2: I had no idea.
0: And the gore in this movie. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, yeah. um, that's some holy yeah. shit. <laughs> Yeah, the, the scene where they jump off the cliff. I was just old people getting yeah. I was I was watching this like on my computer because my fiance doesn't like horror, she doesn't like <laughs> this kind of these kind of movies. So I was like kind of watching it on my laptop and she was like, Oh, you can watch it on the screen if you want. And then it happened to be just that scene. <laughs> <laughs> and like i was like i don't think you want to watch this at all <laughs> so i'm not gonna subject you to this uh, but yeah it's just like the mangled face and then the guy who jumps off and his like leg is all mangled it's just like all right yeah so she's like, not gonna want to watch this. that that
0: lady did it right she went head first right oh that yeah guy. <laughs> <laughs> legs first like why would you do that why Terrible. would you do that idiot <laughs> also i tend to have like a very macabre sense of humor sure. <laughs> I watched it with my wife in the theater. When it just panned over to the the guy with a gigantic fucking mallet, I, yeah. just, burst, I was just burst out <laughs> laughing. I'm like, all right, we know what that mallet's for. But no one else laughed. I felt very,
1: yeah very vulnerable at that point. I, was, well, I, love, I, love how, I love how slow he takes it, too. He's all like, oh, the guy needs, you know, to be put out of his misery. But let me just nonchalantly walk over there with this giant mallet <laughs> yeah and cave in his skull oh my god <laughs> but and then i love that you know the mallet comes back later in the movie right yeah 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 yeah. so i, I thought it was is a really well done movie I, i'm gonna shock you here a little bit jeff i haven't seen hereditary so you haven't seen hereditary okay so now hereditary i might is scarier to... okay. hereditary is scarier i think but um, I, now, after watching this, I kind of want to go back and watch Hereditary. So
0: You should. You definitely
1: should. When I we, do, I'll, I'll give my report. Yeah. We should do an episode on Hereditary. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> but I'm down, yeah. I will go and watch Hereditary as well.
1: And then the last movie I've seen recently in theaters is Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> <laughs> Bad Boys for Life. Which and, got surprisingly good reviews. So uh, not, I'm yeah. a little not ashamed to say that I had, I had a good amount of fun in this movie. Is it a good movie? No. Is it a little bit too long? Yeah. How long is it? It's only two hours, but it feels longer. <laughs> 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 and some some of the plot devices and some of where the plot goes, it's a little like, you know, you roll your eyes a little bit or you're just like, uh, okay, all right. But overall, I had a lot of fun. Their dynamic, their chemistry is still really good. You know, Martin Lawrence and and Will Smith. Did, did you like the first two? I like the first one. I haven't seen the second one since it came out. Like I watched it the one time and I was like, I don't need to watch that again. Because I don't remember it being as fun or as enjoyable as the I remember the first one. And I've seen the first one a couple times on TV after it came out in theaters. But yeah, this one wasn't bad. I mean, even the supporting cast with like the Vanessa Hudgens and I, I don't I'm sorry, I don't remember the other two actors names that play like if you've seen the trailers, like they play like they're. Little sidekicks, like they were pretty good in it too. So it's like, it, it was a well rounded cast and it, it was fun. I, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it was fun. Interesting. I mean, I like Bad
0: Boys too. It's like, guilty yeah, I was going to say. Oh, my. I feel like
2: um, two is also good. I mean, in the same way that one is good and that this one was good, two is also in the same vein, I felt
1: like. Yeah, maybe if I watched two again, maybe I would feel that way. I just remember two being a little over the top. Too much. Like it yeah. was too yeah. much Michael Bay. This one is not as Michael Bay because he didn't direct this one, right? Uh, but they still try to keep it in that.
2: I was worried that this one wouldn't have enough Michael Bay, right? No, like that was my worry. Yeah. But apparently, they, you're they try to keep it, it
1: in the vein of Michael Bay ish. You know, the kind of out of nowhere violence sometimes, or car chases and explosions and gunfighting. So who
2: directed this?
1: I can't remember their names. Uh, I'm also gonna butcher their names if I try to say it because uh, I remember I. I looked uh, up. I'm
0: looking, yeah, I'm looking up right now. It's uh, Adil Al Arby and Alal Lal Fala. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've never heard of them. Is uh is Joey Pants in this? Who? Joey Pants? Joe. Oh Joe yeah, Pants yeah, Prado? yeah. See, he
1: comes back, he comes back. Okay. <laughs> Which is great. Because I haven't seen that guy in a while. I don't remember the last thing I yeah, heard, except yeah. for maybe Daredevil. <laughs> that may be the last thing I remember seeing him in. So he play. plays. He plays Ben Yurik, What the fuck? Yep. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. super
0: weird. I think Bad Boys Two has a special place in my heart. Where oh okay. I think it came out the exact age where I was like super into that kind of shit. I think. I think we're all the same age, right? Are we all the age. same age? Yeah, I think we're all around the same age, if not. The yeah. Same. But I was like seventeen when that came out. It's just crazy balls to the wall Michael Bay shit. I really liked it. It's like they're like tossing cadavers out of like a moving vehicle. Like the
1: mortuary car. It's just, that movie is just nuts. And I will say that they also kind of try to put in a little bit of Uh, I'll put in air quotes, like heart into this movie versus I think what I remember from the first two. It's been a long time since I have seen the first two, so please don't (laughs) quote me. But uh, yeah, it it tries to actually give us like an arc to these characters, which I appreciated. Like, you know, made me feel something for these characters that I don't remember feeling when I watched the first two. I'm a sucker for a little heart. I always think that's a good thing to have in your movie. And Now, what's really funny is that I think it, you know, critically, it's been high- than what I expected I don't. I won't say hi uh, and I think box office wise it's going to do well so they've already kind of said that they're starting a fourth one so man soon they shoot themselves in the foot for not yeah, like, I know, why no, didn't no. you the fourth like, one the perfect, should be
0: Bad Boys for Life, for life. Right? <laughs> it's like a perfect title
1: <laughs> exactly. it's like a perfect yeah. title and now I'm just like what are you going to do <laughs> well now you can do Very Bad good. Boys forever <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> yes yes
0: there you go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's the so title.
2: Funny. I like to see Will Smith doing well. I mean, not that he needs. I Smith, do too. He, he needs, needs a win. win. He needs a yeah, win. Yeah, he, need, he needs a win. Yeah, but like, I mean, it's not like oh, he needs the money or he needs the career accolades. He's been successful for decades. But I just he's, he's been in a bit of a slump critically, and it's nice to see him do something that like I want to go see.
1: I will respond to that though, by saying that it's not usually Will Smith that's the problem. Right. Even like in Aladdin, he's one of the better things about that movie, right?
2: The projects and the roles he's choosing just are not that good. It's some Robert Downey Jr. shit again. He's just picking yeah. the wrong shit. Yeah. Yeah, like Aladdin and I don't know, Suicide Squad and it's just it's just not yeah.
0: You know, Will Smith is notorious for shooting himself in the foot with roles he chooses. He turned out the Matrix, which turned out yeah,
2: he did. to be it's one
0: like- of his biggest regrets,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, but I think I mean Keanu Reeves is perfect in that. In that, in that yeah. Movie, though. yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, like I definitely love like Will Smith. We're all better off with the universe we, we ended up in because.
0: Yeah, know. I mean, if Will Smith was Neo, then Val Kilmer would have been Morpheus, and I don't know. <laughs> if, I don't know how that would have turned out, right? Now, uh, now.
1: I need that movie now. <laughs> you need that movie now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that kind of re- caps up all the things I've been watching here lately and catching up on. What about you, Jeff? What have you been watching?
0: Like so, my wife and I have been watching the new HBO miniseries, the The Outsider, which premiered last week. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything of, about this?
1: So I know it's the one with Ben Mendelsohn. It's the one with Jason Bateman. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a Stephen King property, right?
0: Yeah. So like, okay, I would say it's continuing what I would call the Stephen King Renaissance, <laughs> right? Renaissance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's an adaptation of his book of the same name. The last few years have been. Pretty good for Stephen King, I think. It has, it has. It's been crazy. Like if you think about it, you got it and it. Chapter two, The Dark Tower, which I don't know if that was good. Yeah, uh, a, but
2: I'm just not a highlight. Think, yeah. yeah, Pet Cemetery,
0: the new, the new Pet Cemetery, Gerald's Game, in the Tall Grass, which was on Netflix. The new Doctor Sleep. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Yep. That just came out. Some of them have been pretty good. Uh, others not so much. But I feel like
1: The Outsider might be one of the very best oh um, yeah i've been yeah. wanting to try to get into this but i just haven't had the time but i i think i yeah. will watch they this. released the
0: first two episodes last week so that's oh, okay. something i okay. give you a little to chew on right uh it's about like this everyday guy played by jason bateman he's always good at playing these everyday guys who's like over their heads right and he's accused of murdering a boy in a small georgia town he's like this mild-mannered family guy He's also the town's Little League coach. But the thing is, like, there isn't really a murder mystery, per se, because the show pretty much starts with his arrest, and evidence against him is incredibly damning. There's multiple witness accounts that identify him by name and remember him being covered by blood. His fingerprints are all over the boy's corpse. There's, like, a van full of, like, his DNA and the boy's DNA. But, like, the crux of the show lies in that he also has an airtight alibi, right? He's at a teacher's conference 70 miles away, the exact same time the murder took place. And he's also on video, too. So it's, like, this super weird mystery that the show is trying to unpack. And it's just really, really good. The performances are so,
1: so great on this. So is it about, like, did he do it or not? Is that the big mystery? Yeah, I think the big mystery is, like, well, how can he be in two places at once?
0: Jason Bateman's really great in it, but... Ben Mendelsohn, who plays the detective on the show, is, he's fantastic. I think he gets typecast as villains a lot. You know, he's like, uh, who does he play? He plays Krennic in Rogue One.
2: That's right, yeah.
0: The sheriff in that Robin Hood reboot that nobody wants to see. He was, uh, he was in The Dark Knight
1: Rises. I don't remember the character's name. He was Talos the Scroll. But then Captain that was the change, right? He was the that was a change.
2: Was yeah. early, right, that was the, yeah. Which yeah. I, that's what yeah, I loved
1: yeah. about that movie, though, right? Yeah, that was like, a nice twist. Everyone, like everyone expected him to be bad, right? Expe- expect but but he played bad. him like a villain,
0: so. Yeah, at first he did, yeah. Yeah, but like this show really shows us like, I'd say like more tender and vulnerable side, and he's really great in it. The show's really good. I think there's like a touch of the supernatural, I think, which is going to be unpacked further down the line you guys should watch it it's it's so good there's some really good plot twists too that had me and my wife screaming at the screen <laughs> oh all right it was really good
2: i was gonna ask you about the supernatural touch because that's always the stephen king thing right there's, yeah there's, there's this is so more procedural.
0: procedural it's got like the procedural grit to it but yeah i haven't read the book so i don't know me where neither. it's going either i don't see that many people talking about it so yeah everyone should go check
2: this out it's... A hidden gem there huh Yeah, I like I like Stephen King. I'm still hurt that the Dark Tower uh, adaptations have all been bad because I like those books. So yeah, well they
0: were gonna do an Amazon one, and now they put the kibosh on that.
2: Oh, really? Maybe maybe some properties just aren't adaptable. I I, I don't know.
0: Maybe Uh, I've been watching the new Apple TV show Servant. It's produced by M Night Shyamalan. He directs a couple of episodes of it, but his fingerprints are all over it, like his style. And the show's like super weird. It's about this couple and they hire a a young nanny to to move in and take care of their baby named jericho but their baby actually died a long time ago and the mom has like a psychotic break so she thinks like this doll is a real baby or whatever and they hire uh this nanny the super weird introverted nanny to take care of the baby and treat it like a real child it's super odd and Nell Tiger Free plays the, the nanny. She played uh, Marcella in Game of Thrones. That's
1: oh, right, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was pretty interesting. How many episodes is it in now? There are 10 episodes.
1: Oh, there's already been 10 episodes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Is
2: it done? Are you done with it's it? Done, it's, it's done, it's done. It just, oh, okay. It just ended yesterday, so. Oh, nice, okay. It's always more attractive when something's finished.
0: And it's nice to see Rupert Grint in something.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Holy crap.
0: Yeah, he hasn't been anything for a while. Nice to see him break out of uh, the shadow of Ron Weasley. <laughs>
2: for sure. Although, I mean, I'm sure he doesn't need to work. I think it's really just yeah. know, finding finding roles you like. But uh, is this, like, typical M. Night shit? Like, is it going to be some shitty twist at the end that's going to make me throw up? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: no, it's not, like... Lady in the Water or, like, The oh, Happening yeah, or anything that's, like yeah, that. Yeah, just
2: Lady lady in the Water. Just, I went and saw that in theaters for my sister, and I still can't forgive that motherfucker for that Oh, movie.
0: I remember that. I remember that from dude, years ago. You was, took your sister to see it, and you said it was awful. Dude,
2: it was bad. It was real bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think
0: M. Night Shyamalan gets a bad rap. He's made a, a bunch of stinkers, but I think he gets a bad rap.
2: I'll give you the sixth sense And I'll give you Unbreakable.
0: I thought Split was good, too. I thought Split was good. Okay, I
2: have to see Split.
0: And The Visit was fun. He didn't fuck that up in any way, I don't think. That was a good, decent horror thriller. It's about, like, the two kids going to grandma and grandpa's house, and things aren't what they seem. But when he's firing on all cylinders, he's a very good filmmaker. And I'm a signs apologist, too. I like signs.
2: (laughs) <laughs>
0: no, I can't. I can't. It's it's kind of dumb.
2: dumb it's, oh, it's kind of dumb.
0: It is kind of dumb. It is kind of yeah, dumb.
2: It's kind of dumb. I mean, I, I I didn't hate it while I was watching it, but it's one of those things that afterwards you're just like, "What the fuck did I just watch? That was so stupid." It's got good
1: moments in it, though. Yeah, it's got pretty freaky
2: is moments. Is this a it. rewatch or is this some M Night Shyamalan apologia that I'm going to regret?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know if it'll hold up if you didn't yeah, like it see?
2: Yeah, <laughs> in the beginning. Uh, I mean, does he have a, a Stone Cold classic under his belt? Like, his Sixth Sense Oh, classic? yeah,
0: for sure. I mean... It's Sixth Sense. It's Unbreakable. I think those two are alter. probably... I, I just re-watched The Sixth Sense. That's the other movie I wanted to talk about. I was watching Servant, and I was like, huh, let me revisit The Sixth Sense. Because I think The Sixth Sense has kind of become like a parody... Yeah, it's a meme. Itself, it became like a meme where,
2: yeah.
0: yeah, where, like, the twist ending is, like...
2: All there is the, the movie.
0: That, yeah, that's all that the movie is about. The Sixth Sense is so good. Like, if you look past the twist ending, which I think is pretty much defined the film now, it's really about, like, a connection between, like, a mother and her son and, like, family, right? And Tony Collette, who is only 25 in this movie. That's wild. She's so good in this, and that ending scene where she's in the car with Hilly Joel osmond and he's telling her about Grandma's ghost. Dude, do you guys remember this? Uh, it's been a long time since I yeah, seen see this. Makes a sense. Long time. So they're like in the car, and, and up until this point, Tony Collette still doesn't believe him that he sees ghosts, and then he tells her that his grandma's. Always coming to visit him to like prove it to the mom. He's like, the answer to her question is every day. And he's like, "Oh, what did you ask your grandma at like her grave or whatever?" And Tony collette's like, "Do I make you proud?" or this is a really great moment, I think. it's so good. And then, like cinematography on that movie is so good. I don't know. Bruce Willis is great, too. He doesn't always pick great projects, but he's great in that. Just a classic. I think I gave it five stars on Letterboxd.
2: <laughs> Sounds like I did it. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and yeah. rewatch that. Just you should rewatch it. You totally should rewatch it. Line, almost, almost, almost did it for me. That was that.
0: And it's scary, too. You got like barfy Misha Barton under the bed. <laughs> um, oh,
1: Misha Barton. That's a name I haven't heard in a long
0: time. <laughs> I know. And like the mom that killed her with like the Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Yeah. Remember that? She like poisons yeah. the, the medicine. But yeah, that movie's, it gets dark. And Haley Joel Osment. Oh my God, he's so good in this. I think he was nominated, was he nominated
1: for an Oscar for this? I don't remember. He might have been. Yeah, I might have to go revisit it. Yeah, I, no, it's been a, it's been a long time. You convinced me on that one. It's been a long time.
2: Convince convinced me on that one. I don't know about science, but you convinced me on that
0: one. Look past the twist ending, right? Cause like, right, and
1: just watch it as a
2: movie. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch it. You convinced me on that one. I'm going to do it.
1: And Jeff, you watched uh, one more movie,
0: right? I watched Bombshell, which I did not like very much. Have either of you seen it? I've seen it.
2: No, oh, seen and it. I was not planning on seeing it, actually.
0: If people don't know, Bombshell is the movie with uh, Charlize Theron, uh, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie about the the Fox News story with Roger Ailes sexually harassing and assaulting women at Fox News. And my problem is that I think it's very surface level. And I think it had an opportunity to tell a really interesting story that it completely neglected to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you have an opportunity to, to tell a pretty interesting story about like how flawed individuals can also be victims of like sexual assault, and which these women were, but they really handle the uh, all these characters like Megan Kelly. The fictional uh, reporter that uh, Margot Robbie plays and uh, Nicole Kidman's character—what's her name? Gretchen Carlson. Oh, Gretchen. Gretchen Carlson. Right. Yeah. And like, the problem is like, these women were—they propped up this environment that enabled like all this toxic racism and sexism and all these things that Fox News espoused. But they only did something about it when it affected them personally. And mm-hmm. this movie completely glosses over all of
1: that. Well, it gl- yeah, it definitely glosses over their involvement. But you definitely see that environment, right? Where the other women that are right. not them are, like, propping it up and, and kind of being a part of the system. But, yeah, it, it kind of forgives our quote-unquote stars. Yeah. Being more victim than instigators.
0: Right. And, I'm, I mean, like, Megan Kelly was like, oh, blackface isn't so bad. Like... <laughs> you know, these people are flawed human beings, right? But they're not portrayed as such, I don't think. they it, it really handles them with kid gloves in this movie, and I was not a fan. I thought the performances were fine. John Lithgow was pretty good as Roger Ailes, but I don't know. I, I just wasn't a, a big fan of this film.
2: Yeah, I think I guess you're saying it less them off of the hook, and I think that's yeah. possibly the fundamental problem that this movie has is that the mainstream liberal, feminist narrative that it's pushing has as its subjects, people who are inherently unsympathetic because of their political views to the normal mainstream liberal audience. And right. conversely, I mean at the, or at the same time, <laughs> uh, the feminist liberal like platitudes that underlie the movie aren't going to be respected by the audience that sympathetic made for. target audience yeah. exactly. So... Right, so like, also like, who is the... So who's this movie for? Audience, who's it for? Who's this movie for? Apparently it's not sophisticated enough to thread the needle to make either party happy, so who's who's it for?
0: Yeah, I mean, this was a good opportunity to get a woman to direct a film about sexual assault, right? Like, I feel
1: like that's a no-brainer. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more of these kind of narratives in the next couple years. I mean, this is kind of the first... I think we are just because I think this is kind of the first in this kind of maybe wave of, you know, stories revolving around the Me Too movement, right? Or Me Too era Mm -hmm. uh, of media and and television and movies. So I wouldn't be surprised if we keep seeing more and more stories.
2: There's got to be an audience or someone's got to want to see it, right? And so like after the first couple Me Too movies, what does the next one bring you as a story or as a filmmaking property that you didn't already see in the first Me Too one, right? It'd have to be a pretty compelling story for you to keep making over and over again these movies in that same vein, like Me Too, but with Matt Lauer, Me Too, but with Harvey Weinstein, Me Too, but with Roger Ailes, Me Too, but with Bill Cosby. Like,
1: I would say that this story wasn't, not that it wasn't interesting. You know, I I, I think the story itself was interesting. It's just, I think Jeff, and I agree with Jeff, it's the way they executed it, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe even also the media maybe not be, like, this is like Lifetime movie shit, right? is this big-budget mainstream Hollywood movie plot? Yeah. Like, this is made movie, saying. like, documentary-ish, thinly fictionalized sort of, you watch it on TV and they put out one a year type of deal. It's like the difference between the Michael Jackson Neverland documentary, which, you know people would find riveting because the subject is in part Michael Jackson, even though, you know, the focus should be on the victims. But, you know, because he's involved and his star power lends a, a natural inherent interest in the topic and doing a movie about just any particular person who got child who got molested as a child, which is obviously awful, but it doesn't mean that it's... Could to be the seed for a compelling movie?
1: I mean, it does involve like a big major, you know, news outlet it involves people that I think the audience would recognize. So in that vein, yes. I mean, I, I guess that's why this is a story to tell. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's something that in, in the future, is it more, let's not tell the Harvey Weinstein story. Let's tell another story where it's maybe more personal. Maybe it's a smaller scale versus just automatically going to that big name. Is that what you're kind of saying, or I don't know?
2: I think maybe you run out of big names with, I don't know, quote-unquote star power or, or whatever, inherent interest in the story, and then it just becomes this humdrum, monotonous series of films about tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, which don't maybe don't maintain interest unless you're into that sort of tragedy porn sort of thing. But I guess the plus side of doing this sort of thing is if you base it on real people, and you make it a real story about a real person's, you know, adversity, the sexual harassment, the so they suffer, then maybe by selling the rights to the story, they benefit from it, which in which case, you know, I would want to see as many of these movies made as possible. But, <laughs>
1: yeah, you got a point there, I think. So, Jeff, was that, I think that was all that you had, right? Yeah. All right. So, Amir, what have you been watching?
2: Wow. Yeah, that's going to be completely different. Um, (laughs) We're just going into like, uh, sexual assault and politics, and uh, now I'm going to go with uh, The Witcher. So, it's a show on Netflix based on a series of Polish fantasy stories that were made into a popular series of role-playing games about a guy who's a monster hunter and uh, in a world full of, like, kind of magic and magical creatures and – you know, fantasy stuff.
1: So I remember on our last episode, you kind of mentioned this a little bit. Did you actually stick with it and finish out the season?
2: I did. I did stick with it and finish out the season. It's actually pretty short. It's only really eight, you know, slightly more than an hour long episodes. Uh huh. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it as much as I thought maybe I was going to at first. So the show follows three characters. You know, the main character, Geralt, he's a monster hunter, a witcher. Then, you know, his on-and-off lover, Jennifer, who's a sorceress, who's a magician. And then, essentially, Geralt's adopted child, uh, Cyrilla, who's the uh, princess of a kingdom. It follows these three sort of characters through a bunch of different storylines. And at first, the storylines didn't really seem to meet up. And it seemed like the show was going to be kind of these series of episodes about Geralt going and hunting monsters, which I found a lot of fun. And then I felt like as the story built towards a climax and all the storylines and timelines and whatever started coming together, I felt like maybe all those plot points didn't land and I was enjoying it more as an episodic show than I did as a serialized piece of fiction. I enjoyed the show, but I think I maybe enjoyed it more as a series of episodes than monster of the week sort of episodes than as uh, serialized fiction, which I think is too bad, but I do like Henry Cavill, you know, man of steel, Superman, seeing him in a different role. I think he does a good, a lot of good work here with very little dialogue. He's very expressive with just grunts and gestures and some cursing. <laughs> and I think he's got good chemistry with the, uh, the main female lead plays Yennefer. And I think if you like fantasy TV, I think it's worth a shot. It's not Game of Thrones. It's not nearly as complicated politically or thematically. There's a lot more magic. It's the focus is less on politics. It's, you know, if if uh, Game of Thrones was uh The Sopranos plus Lord of the Rings, The Witcher is Dog the Bounty Hunter plus Hercules' Legendary journey.
0: That's a good uh, comparison to make, I think. I I've, I've seen all of it, so I agree. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I also in the same boat as you didn't enjoy it as much as i thought i was going to i thought it was really front-loaded with all of like the best moments and it kind of just petered off towards the end of the season i thought the uh the princess's storyline was probably the weakest and i thought it was a little lopsided in that in that regard but i do i do agree that uh, Henry Cavill makes for a great Geralt, and I thought Jennifer's story was pretty good, too. I thought the fight choreography was great in the first episode, and then I don't know where it went Yeah, <laughs> in, yeah I could in the episodes it. after that, because um, it had one of, like, the most insane sword fights I've ever seen. That choreography was insane, but then... Yeah. Afterwards, like, it didn't follow up with anything that was nearly as cool. I don't want to sound so shallow, but, like... No, you yeah, can't, I mean, you can't you... give me that and then not give it to me again in the following, like, seven episodes, right? Uh, uh,
2: completely, yeah. And yeah. Henry
1: Cavill, he could do action. Yeah, he's a very good uh, physical yeah, actor. Good. Yeah, and what, and do You guys nice remember thing... the movie um, Immortals? I oh, did you yeah. see it? Like that, was, uh... he, that movie's not great, <laughs> but he's he's actually decent in it. Like, cause he he pulls off a lot of the action in the movie, and I I remember seeing him in that movie. I was like, all right, and then he was cast as Superman. I'm like, all right, all right I I think you can I buy can, that. can yeah. see this. Yeah, I could buy this guy as Superman. He's got to get a little bit bigger, but I could buy it. Yeah, that was the uh, that was that Tarzan uh, movie.
2: Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Tarzan yeah. is always doing really beautiful stuff. That's not good. It just looks ah, gorgeous. Uh, that kind of not, it kind of explains it. Yeah, that. It's just not. The
1: movie was pretty to look at at times. Yeah. You know? No, he yeah. does this stuff, and it's just it's yeah. like
2: gorgeous, and it's just it's just nothing there. But um, yeah, yeah, and I mean another good thing about The Witcher, and um, Henry Cavill's a choice of lead. Not only is he a good actor, a good action actor, he's also a big fan of the Witcher series. So um, I guess he's like a big video gamer. And so um, he really loves The Witcher video games. And I guess he's read The Witcher books. So you can really see that this is a guy who's like really enjoys the property and he's putting his heart and soul into it. So I think it makes for a compelling product, if flawed, but compelling.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's one of the better things Netflix has put out. I don't really understand the people who are hating on it. Um, I think there are a lot of people who panned the show which i don't really understand. I mean it's not perfect, it's not amazing by any means, but it's
2: it's pretty decent. I enjoyed it. I think yeah. i think it got like 50s or 60s in the rotten tomatoes for the critics and then maybe like, you know, 80-90 range for the, audience. for the audience. We talked about yeah. this kind of discrepancy last time, but i think that's totally okay. Um yeah, it's, it's fine great. for that's the fine. critics fine. not fine. to like a genre TV show. It's, it's okay that yeah. the critics don't like it. If the people who it's for enjoy it, I think that's fine. Um, you know, it's like Bad Boys 2. Or, uh, you know, Bad Boys 2 has probably like a 30-something on Rotten Tomatoes for the critics, but still a good movie. Sorry, Derek.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's not a good movie. It's just... I don't remember it that well and I
2: remember <laughs> not liking
1: it that much. So. It's just busting
2: your balls, man. But it's you know, if a film is in the in a genre you like, the critics, you know, probably aren't going to give you an accurate read. So if you're a fantasy person, check out The Witcher.
0: Yeah, also um probably very low bar to clear but best video game adaptation of all time.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think what what other any, video game I don't well, I mean, it's based on a book.
0: book. So it's not. It's based it in a really book that's based.
2: Well, it's based on a video game that's based on the books. But I think the video games have a are a huge part in why people know the. Witcher. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't, yeah. I don't think The video are, game
1: is probably the reason why this got made into a series. Yeah. not the books.
2: So I, I don't think people are reading. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, at least before the game, I don't think people were like looking up yeah. like a, a an obscure '90s Polish <laughs> fantasy series. You know, I think the yeah. game really helped it explode. Um, okay. Good video game adaptations. Maybe the Resident Evil movies?
1: Maybe the first Maybe one. Maybe the first one. Yeah. Okay. Maybe the first I'll take one, that. I'll take but I that. Won't, I won't give you any ones
2: after that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll take that. I'll take, I'll take the first I, I, one. Because I remember
1: I really did like the first Resident Evil. Like I thought it was a really good kind of contained, you know, contained under that. I don't remember what, under the mansion or whatever, the facility on the mansion. Like I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good movie um yeah. video game I I actually think I like enough the recent tomb raider with um Alicia Vikander Oh I was so bored by it <laughs> <laughs> I was okay with it I was okay with okay. it Okay uh I'm not saying it's a, a great movie but when you're talking about you know comparing <laughs> other other video game movies uh, that one's to me more yeah. decent than than most Yeah uh, I also, no, uh, I mean, yeah, I like Detective Pikachu. I watched it. I enjoyed it. I had fun with it.
0: Is that okay. is that based off of a video game or is it based off of an anime? I don't know.
1: What do you? Well, the the video game, I, be- I believe it's called. Uh, there is a video game called the Detective, Detective Pikachu. Pikachu. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I think it kind of follows the story of that game because I, I never okay. played Detective Pikachu, but um, I've never played it or seen
0: the movie, so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'll is it, it based on?
2: is it based on a card game? If you really want to take it there, like isn't if you go all the way back to the origins of Pikachu, isn't that a card game? Isn't Pokemon a card game? I
0: thought, I it, thought it was, was an, an anime, anime, anime first, first, and then it, it was, was a an card anime
2: game. before it was a card game. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, was it an anime? Wait, so it wasn't a video game first? I think it was a card game, then an anime, then a video game. But I actually do not know. This is uh, is it is, I mean,
1: it, it, is, it, is this like Doctor Manhattan? What came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> <laughs> it's both. Yeah. Both
2: huh.
1: It was a video game first. Oh, there you go. See? <laughs> oh, there you
2: go. Okay, so, all right. Oh, it is so... a video
1: game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge yeah, fan of Pokemon, so to, to see all the Pokemon on, like, on screen was enough for me. I, I wouldn't say the story was the the most compelling, but Ryan Reynolds is voicing a little Pikachu. I had fun. I had fun watching that movie. <laughs> yeah, all right, all yeah. Right. yeah so... I literally know jack shit about Pokemon. Ah, like, okay. Burr. What happened in your childhood? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, also in our last episode, we gave our impressions, right, of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Amir, I hear you've also watched it finally. I did and finally
2: see it. Yeah, I went out what, and saw it. So after, were we after wrong after or were we right? <laughs> Ugh. Oh, man. Yeah, you guys were You guys were right. It's bad. Rise of Skywalker <laughs> is bad. Um, But it made me sad because I feel like It was almost good in a way. I mean, I guess I got two points. One major point with Rise of Skywalker is... And spoilers free throughout this whole thing, by the way, guys. Um, The first major thing is... Disney fucked up in an imaginably huge way by having multiple directors on these three Star Wars movies and not having any kind of overarching vision for all of the stories. Like, I feel like you can't just let each person make their own random movie unconnected to the others before it and expect to turn out a coherent product. Like, it's a very oddly hands-off approach to one of the biggest franchises in existence, and they've shown that they can take the kind of editorial control and make it work in the Marvel movies. So it's very odd that... They didn't do the same thing here when it's far fewer movies. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, Marvel's infamous for their sort of draconian uh, approach to reining in director freedom on the on the yeah. Marvel movies, but they didn't do. I mean, they didn't even take the the barest consideration into limiting the director from basically fighting each other from movie to movie. It, it's insane. I think-
1: I think uh, to to piggyback off what you're saying, I think the problem, one, I agree. I think it needed uh, a Kevin Feige, right? It needed someone because having different directors isn't
2: necessarily the problem. I agree completely. It's not necessarily.
1: It it needed someone with oversight, right? Someone needed to tell Ryan Johnson, maybe you shouldn't do this, you know, because JJ set this up, or, you know, vice versa. Someone needed to tell whoever directed episode nine, like, hey, Ryan set up this great thing. Maybe you shouldn't do this right and i i think the second problem was bringing jj back i think he had a vision of from where go from the get-go of where he wanted to see force awakens ryan johnson's maybe didn't fit that mold as much as he wanted to and then to give him reigns again it's like well i'm just gonna go back to maybe what i was yeah. thinking force
0: it back into what he envisioned in the first place yeah.
1: because yeah, I mean, now i mean recently yeah, recently there's been the what the leak of the Colin Trevorrow's original like plot synopsis for. Is that real? I feel like anything from Reddit, you gotta take with a grain assault. salt. Yeah, true. I mean, but like, if you are to believe it, I mean, it does sound like at least what he was trying to do was, you know, not include Palpatine and and really make it about Ray and Kylo, which I probably would have enjoyed more than having it come back to this fight of Skywalker versus Palpatine. Alright,
0: like Ray and Kylo are the best parts of this entire trilogy. Oh yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. 100%, um, absolutely. 100%. And I think Ryan Johnson set up something really special with them and it was completely forgotten with Rise of Skywalker.
2: Yeah, Rise of Skywalker didn't do the Kylo Ren Ray connection nearly as well as its predecessor did. Um it was very weird, like this constantly, this director musical chairs, meant that you know, coming back to the third movie, J. J. Abrams was like, "Oh, well, now I just need to shoot an entire trilogy in one movie because I didn't really do anything in the in Force Awakened besides reshoot a new hope," and then Ryan Johnson took everything in a completely different, different direction. in The second movie, so now I have one movie in which to shoot three movies. Yeah, and so it it so that's part of why I think it feels so insanely rushed. And sketchy um, as a movie. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's insane that they allowed that to happen. It's, It's wild. I guess my second big thing is I didn't even mind all the things they did with Rise of Skywalker if they did it correctly. Like, I think you can make bringing the Emperor back work. I think you can make all the weird retcons they did to The Last Jedi work if you did them right. Because all those ideas, as weird as they are, are like cool and goofy in a way that kind of fits Star Wars. Like if you know anything about the Expanded Universe, those uh, Star Wars products that kind of came out between um, uh, between the Return of the Jedi and even all the way up through the prequels and even even beyond until the establishment of New Disney Star Wars. In the Expanded Universe, they would have stuff like the Emperor coming back all the time. Like, he's got a clone, and now he's back with a new super weapon, And, like, it's the kind of thing they would do. And it was fun in in, in a cool, goofy, space serial way that I think they could have made work. Um, yeah. And so I didn't even mind the Emperor coming back so much. I didn't mind the weird, you know, all the Sith spirits are the, um, the embodiment of all the weird Sith spirits. Like it all could have worked and it just wasn't. I, I think... Yeah, it's I all think, in
0: the execution, right? The execution. Yeah, I, I
2: don't think the elements so were inherently flawed. No, and, uh, I, yeah, I agree I, completely. I think, they, I think they just really blew the execution on that. And, and, yeah, and I but, think the main thing that bugs me... And, and, I mean, one of the major pieces of execution they blow is, is thematically, I think the light side and the dark side have uh, an important... Moral, ethical, thematic role to play in the original trilogy: A New Hope, Empire uh, Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. That it that it does not play in the sequel series. They don't seem to know what the Force is, or what it's for, or what the light side is, what the dark side is. Because in the in the first set of movies, you know, Luke wins by throwing violence away and embracing his father, and embracing like the idea that he was not irredeemable. And the reason the emperor wants Luke to strike him down is because it would mean that Luke has given him to his to his anger and has, you know, and and that Luke has lost the larger philosophical moral argument, right? Um, well, now now and, it could
1: be retcon though that the emperor want him to strike him down so that he could take over Luke's body,
2: which is so dumb. It just completely betrays the entire <laughs> thematic idea of why. The emperor was wanted. That you know, and, and it just completely loses the whole idea. And so then, yeah. Ray beats the emperor in the end, which of course she was going to. That's not the question. But like, by doing a Mace Windu, you right, know, doing exactly. the same thing, by mace was doing the lightning into his face. Like, what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. Like Darth Vader tossing the emperor down a mine shaft because you know he's been redeemed by the love of his son. That means something.
0: Yeah. I I agree. This, this didn't agree mean anything. Uh, so yeah, it
2: was disappointing. On yeah, those it I, was disappointing. Yeah,
0: and also it's like it's need to like answer things that didn't really need answers for. I feel like was problematic. Ryan Johnson established that who Snoke is isn't really important, but now he's a puppet of Emperor Palpatine. He's grown in a vat or whatever, and like. Yeah.
1: Who's raised parents? Nobody. Yeah, Yeah. but really, she's a Palpatine. Like, yeah, Yeah.
2: it's a lot of kind of going back. The only reason they had to establish, you know, they had to do the Snoke cloning thing, is because they decided to reintroduce the Emperor, and they only had to reintroduce the Emperor because they decided they wanted to retcon Rian Johnson's, uh, you know, um, raised parents are nobody thing. Right? They decided they're pivoting hard into the nostalgia and the, um, you know, conservative reactionary critiques of the last jedi uh, which is disappointing yeah. on another level that was
0: the most compelling part of the entire sequel series where you have that dichotomy of ben being overly burdened by the concept of a legacy and then ray her legacy is that she's a no one you know and like that's compelling something that ryan johnson established and then this movie just threw it all away
2: I think it's a cool dichotomy. I just don't know that I care for that more than I care for the old characters and embracing them. So I think like the embracing the ethos of letting the past die meant in a way, it meant cheap subversion, cheap tricks of just, like, I'm just going to do the opposite of what you think I'm going to do. Like, you're not going right. to get to see, like, the old characters you loved interact again. You're not going to get to see this. You're not going to get to see that. Ha ha ha. I surprised you. Aren't I so shocking? And it's like, no, you're not. You just made a movie that people aren't going to enjoy. Um, so I think that Gives it maybe too much credit to say, oh, it was so clever. Because in the end, like, it's incredibly cynical because you're not letting the past die. It's fucking Star Wars. Like, if you want to let the past die, make a new movie with a new franchise. Don't fucking, you know, piggyback off of the inbuilt goodwill of this franchise and this enormous multi-billion dollar franchise that's powered by nostalgia and then say what we're going to do is let the past die. Like, it's very...
0: Well, I mean, like, what else are you going to do, right? I mean, Harrison Ford and uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, they're only so old now. And, like, what are you going to do? Have them carry on a new sequel series, too? Like, I don't know. I think what Ryan Johnson did was smart. I think um, the direction that he went in, it made sense.
2: I think think he could have done the passing of the torch in a different way. In a better way? I don't think it had to be as unsatisfying as it was. And I understand it was unsatisfying in order to make a point, but I felt like that point was just to kind of stick a finger in your eye, right? Like, oh, you wanted to see see Luke on that planet and do anything? Well, he's not going to. He's just going to die on that planet. Oh, you wanted to see, like, Han interact with Leia, or Leia interact with Luke, or any of these characters who used to love interact with each other. Nah, they're all gonna interact with Ray for some reason. Somebody they don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: See, I I would have to disagree. I mean, I I'm the type of person that I think I love Star Wars, but I wanted to see this go somewhere different. And I last couple of years I've been professing like I'm so tired of this. Like literally, I'm tired of the Skywalker stuff. Like I. Don't want to see any more Skywalker stories because I think it's been a crutch to have all these stories that have to tie into our main series, right? With Rogue One and then Solo. Even The Mandalorian is a little frustrating to me because he couldn't get away from having this little baby Yoda, right? Character that reminds us of Boba Fett, this character that everybody loves. Like I know, I, I know where you're coming
0: from because... You have an entire universe to play with and you're yeah. still stuck on like why are
1: you stuck on this small little corner, spec right? yeah spec mm-hmm. of a giant universe? That's what was so exciting for me about what Ryan Johnson did. If I were to kind of take what he did and lead it to its natural progression, like if Ray were to finally actually defeat Ben in not Rise Skywalker, right? Episode nine, it would have been the end of the Skywalker line and then all of our ties to this line, right? But now she's technically part of the bloodline of a Palpatine, but takes the name of a Skywalker. It's just like overly frustrating to me because I'm just like, whoa! Well, now we're back. This square one is the next movie going to be about her kids who are Skywalkers, but also, you know what I mean? Like I want something different. I want something new. I want, I want to go somewhere else. And oh, yeah.
2: And I actually th- agree with a lot of that, I'll say. I, I agree okay. with the idea of, like, hey, everything is about hereditary Jedi power, and we're following this just this one group of people throughout the universe forever is kind of dumb. Now, I think the idea of George Lucas was that those first six episodes were going to be the Skywalker story, right? And I guess, you know, inevitably that meant that these last three had to deal with how do you transition from the Skywalker story to something else, which I think we agree that they did not pull off Um, I think my struggle with the let the past die thing is less with what you're talking about and more with the choices they made about how to hand the crown over from the old characters Um, but I agree with a lot of what you're saying I I was excited to see what are they going to do if the force is an egalitarian thing and everybody can do it yeah I liked Ray's parents being nobody actually I liked it way more than the Palpatine thing Um, there's a lot in what you said that I actually agree with um, but I think, ironically enough, if you want invention in Star Wars, uh, and I'm not advocating you watch them, but the prequels had it right. Like what you're saying, both of you is, are saying is that like it's very tired for people to go back to just the same ideas again and again. From but the
1: Star prequel Wars was just
2: talent, right. But
1: the prequel was just Darth Vader's story, right? It's still a Skywalker, right? It's it's still it
2: is, but it's at least it's. Like, at least it's inventive, at least it's new worlds, at least it's new concepts, at least it's Coruscant. It's like it's not like, you know, The Mandalorian, which is just like, oh, it's a guy in Boba Fett's armor. The same thing over and over again. At least it's, you know, um, there's something new to it, which which I think is difficult for anyone who's not George Lucas to do because Star Wars is like you know, a vision maybe not only from his head. Anyone else who's doing it is doing a pastiche. Their idea of Star Wars is based on what they've seen, right? So, like, someone said this online I don't remember who, but they were saying that, like, George Lucas took all of these disparate influences, things he loved, uh, samurai movies, uh, Kurosawa stuff, uh, Flash Gordon, and World War II war movies, and all the things he loved and put them together and made Star Wars. And then J.J. Abrams saw that and made his Star Wars based off of that. Mm-hmm. There were no influences to it. He didn't unite a bunch of things that he loved and make a, a singular new, unique vision. He just saw Star Wars and was like, well, I'll just do one of those.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. but guys, the dead speak. Oh my god. The yeah. dead speak. Yeah, yeah. Emperor Palpatine's
1: podcast.
2: <laughs> and that's like no, his no.
1: return. So, okay, so we are about to rename our podcast again. To...
2: <laughs> I love it. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> but yeah i guess we all can agree that you know Red skywalker wasn't our favorite probably in in the whole lineup of star wars movies and it's a shame but uh hopefully hopefully they give it a little break and then you know we still get some more star wars movies because in the end i still love star wars i still love the property and i'm still willing to invest my time and money into this Man, uh, but, but i yeah
2: I, re- I just – I'm sorry. It's just hit me. I remember when I saw the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie and was like, you know what? He'd be a good Star Wars director. Well, screw me, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of the ideas he wanted to do for Star Wars, he put into that movie. And like I, I – that 2009 Star Trek movie, like I love that movie. So It's a hell
2: of a lot of fun, man. It's a hell yeah. of a lot of fun. It, it, like, oh, like J.J. Abrams gets the idea of like a space – Western, he's going to be great at this, and then he turns out what he does. It's just very disappointing. Sorry, man. Sorry. Yeah. Man. Just, no, more disappointing okay. thoughts. Just <laughs> coming in by a right. second.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think that will conclude this week's episode. <laughs> wow. Well, We'll just end it there. I think we said what we've had to say about the movie. And,
2: yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: Overall, like I said, it's not all of our favorites, but, you know, I, I think if you have heard my rant from a couple weeks ago, I've mellowed out a little bit since then and i don't hate the movie as much as i i think i did when i first reacted to it but i still don't yeah i'm it.
0: just i'm just tired of the discourse i'm yeah. tired of people talking about it all the toxic fans comments in my reviews all that stuff i'm just
2: over well, well, it. I, well, well i think everyone's as tired as you are i i think the yeah. discourse on it is dead like people are not talking about it it's dead
0: i mean i've Fucking hope so. Well, yeah, it's, it's dead. dead. Like,
2: like Star Wars is fucking dead. Like nobody's talking about this. It's as if it didn't yeah. happen. And you know everyone saw it. It's as if it did not happen. It's crazy but, how dead the discourse is.
1: But guys, yeah. George Lucas was holding Baby Yoda.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Baby Yoda actually as cynical as a move as it is. I like Baby Yoda. He's cute. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a rube. He's a he's a Pierce All. Yeah, He's a a, pure Baby Yoda's good.
1: <laughs> He's a pure 50-year-old soul.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I like the Mandalorian very much, actually, in retrospect, but Baby Yoda's cute. You gotta yeah. give it to him.
1: Yeah. Alright, okay. That will conclude this week's episode. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, where can people find you?
0: Uh, you can find me on my blog where I write about film and TV at strangeharbors.com and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you
1: guys? So, Mir, do you still not have like social media or anything like that? Right?
2: i um, not really like any kind of publicly accessible stuff. I mean, I guess you can find me right here on the podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. And you just started a letterbox, so we can follow you oh, on letterbox. Follow on a letterbox. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's right. Follow, you know, that's right. Actually, follow
1: all of us on letterbox. Yeah, follow all of us yeah, on letterbox. You can leave what we're watching. Yeah. yeah yeah i believe jeff is at strange harbors on letterbox Um, uh, amir is just amir trey i'm at the wrong Dayik. Dayik spelled d-a-y-i-k and that's also my twitter and instagram handles uh so this is a continuation of the who watches the watcher podcast but it really it is a brand new podcast that we are, are trying to push and trying to put all of our passion into and i think it's things that we're all really passionate about viewing and also talking about and we really hope that we can spread this podcast and really grow this podcast. So I think one way that would really help us is if everyone who hasn't done it already can go out and maybe give us a great review on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And I think uh, all of that would really help. Uh, Jeff, you have an email that they can contact us at, right?
0: Yes. Um, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, uh, you can
1: email us at info at strangeharbors.com. One movie that we didn't mention that both me and Jeff watched, we purposely didn't mention is because we were going to do a deep dive into next week. We're going to talk about Sam Mendes' new movie, 1917. So uh, there's a lot of awards buzz around the movie and a lot of positive but also negative discourse on the movie. So I I think we'll we'll do a deep dive and and see what we think. Uh, I think Mir is going to try to find some time this week to watch the movie. Correct, Mir?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go see it and then we can uh, have a little chat. I'm excited for it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to dive into this one a little bit more because I want to hear what you guys think. All right, so I think that will conclude this week's episode, and we'll see you guys next time.
0: Yeah, see you guys next time. All right, see you
1: guys next time.